Hello, friends. It's your old pal, Justin Robert Young. So there's a few things you need to know. Number one, Thor Love and Thunder rules. I've already seen it. Please go see it this weekend, especially if you're into Marvel movies. Two, Boris Johnson resigned. So there's an interview that you're about to hear later in this broadcast in which we are talking about all the situations which are still very nutritious on why he resigned, but we don't know that yet at the time that we recorded it, so please know that now. In fact, we're going to play a clip of his legendary resignation resignation speech. Sorry, they serve drinks at Love and Thunder. Resignation speech right now. And to you, the British public, I know that there will be many people who are relieved and uh, perhaps quite a few who will also be disappointed. And I want you to know how sad I am to be giving up the best job in the world. But them's the breaks. Them's the breaks! Them's the breaks. Okay, so there's another correction that I have that I already recorded, and that's going to be played right now. Hi, friends. Justin here. Before we get started, I want to put a correction up top. You know, a lot of places, they put their corrections in the back. Nobody sees them. No, I'm going to put this one up top. Because over the last 72 hours, I have had to eat quite a bit of well-earned grief for making this mistake. I want to make it very clear that in last in the last episode, I did incorrectly credit Bill Clinton as the last governor who has seen the office of president. Much in the same way that a sitting president once told his presidential challenger, you forgot Poland. I indeed forgot George W. Bush was the governor of Texas. This is an absolute embarrassment and shame considering I live in the city now for which he served. I have no excuse. Let's move on. The following is brought to you by Will Harris. Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics program for July 8th, 2022. Your old pal, Justin Robert Young, joining you here in Austin, Texas. Well, I don't know where I'm going to be by the time you hear this. Depending on when you click play, I am probably on a jet plane crossing the pond en route from Texas to London, going to be gone for the next few weeks. You guys will be in good hands. We'll get to that in the ad break. But we got one more show to go out on, and we are going to go out strong. One of my favorite things to talk about are who farted and where stories. They are stories that are often almost entirely unsourced. 
they are usually there to try to get somebody that they work with fired within the federal government. And they usually have particularly colorful anecdotes. They were plentiful during the Trump administration, but the Biden administration otherwise been tight-lipped. Au contraire, mon frère. We got a brutal one to talk about today. Also, Raphael Warnock apparently in some FEC trouble. We will talk about whether or not that is something he's going to have to worry about. And I don't know exactly where this scenario is by the time that you hear this. I won't know exactly what the scenario is when I land in London. But we do know that Boris Johnson has gone from bad to worse in terms of his job stability. We are joined in an emergency interview with Tom Merritt, our UK politics correspondent. All that. Bird first. This is a story from CNN. It was one of several stories that all hit on the same day with one collective theme. The Biden administration is not doing enough. They need to do more. And... They're kind of rudderless. The most brutal was this one. And I'm going to read in in, in big chunks parts of this story because I find it fascinating. Here we go. Right up top. This is a hell of a lead. I'm just going to tell you right now. I love leads. This is a hell of a lead. Deborah Messing was fed up. Oh, my God. Oh my God. I, I feel like I, I I'm like I'm like Funk Flex debuting a new hip hop banger. Like I wanna just hit <laughs> the the explosion button over and over and over again. New CNN! I'm gonna stop it right there. Deborah Messing was fed up. <laughs> you know that things are gonna be off to an insane start with Deborah Messing of Will and Grace. Here we go. The former Will and Grace star was among dozens of celebrity Democratic supporters and activists who joined a call with White House aides last Monday to discuss, to discuss the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. The mood was fatalistic, according to three people on the call, which was also co-organized by the advocacy group Build Back Better Together. Anytime that a name is mentioned in this article, please remember that the people that are leaking this to the reporter deliberately want to injure that group. No reason to mention Build Back Better Together. Whoever is involved with it, they are being attacked by this article. We move on. Messing said she hadn't, or sorry, said she'd gotten Joe Biden elected and wanted to know why she was being asked to do anything at all, yelling that there didn't seem to be a point to voting. Others wondered why the call was even happening. That afternoon, Participants received a follow-up email with a list of basic talking points and suggestions of Biden's speech clips to share on TikTok. Oh, you want to paint a Democratic organization as totally useless. Then you explain that the celebrities are mad. They think you're useless. 
And then you say, well, please share these TikTok videos. What a lead. What a lead. Amazing lead. I mean, when you lose grace, when you lose grace, we continue. And this is somebody who is deliberately, somebody's trying to get the person who I'm about to read about fired. I want to make this very clear. They want their jobs. Here we go. White House counsel Dana Remus had assured senior aides that the Supreme Court wouldn't rule on abortion that day. A White House press aide assigned to the issue was waiting to get coffee when the alert hit. Several Democratic leaders privately mocked how the president stood in the foyer of the White House, squinting through his remarks from a teleprompter as demonstrators poured into the streets, making only vague promises of action because he and his aides hadn't decided on more. Then, Biden's July 1st meeting with governors to talk about their efforts to protect abortion rights was planned so last minute that none of those who attended came in person and several invited declined to rearrange their schedules to appear virtually. Good God! Good God! We are unloading the notebook right here, and if we're not, then cheese, Louise! I mean, and, and as for Dana Remus, update your LinkedIn, girl. Come on. Someone is coming for you. You need to, you need to reassess who, who your friends are, Dana. Dana. Mm-hmm. Dana, look, just, just check and see who's liking all your Instagram posts. Start counting them up. Start counting them up. And, 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 and then look at everybody you follow and start making a list. Because you've got enemies, Dana. We got another quote. The president who campaigned on putting America back together after four years of deep divisions appeared to have stopped trying, supporters say. There's no fight, another Democratic member told CNN. This is if, as close as we've gotten to full mutiny. This, there is a lot of people who are frustrated or there's seven people who are frustrated and they all talk to CNN and they all told their best stories. But that is not the most insane part of this story, my friends. It is not the most insane part. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the most insane part to you right here. This is a quote about how Biden has taken so long to make a decision on student loan forgiveness. Quote, we picked that date for a reason. We'd like to see where the inflation problem is, and we'd like to see where the legislative agenda is. There's nothing uncertain or hesitating about it. It's a deadline, and we'll deliver on it, said White House spokesperson Chris Meager, who told CNN about the timeline. I want you to envision me pensively rubbing the top of my nose in between my eyeballs as if I have a splitting sinus headache because it blew my mind to read that part of the article and realize that the Biden White House commented on this story and apparently didn't comment on all the stuff that was right there before because unless this... Uh, Let's this reporter did a horrifying job of not reading every negative quote to that spokesperson and giving that spokesperson a, a time to rebut that, which is not reflected in this article. 
in this article, they they just the, the negative stuff goes by. And then eventually when we get into some of the more pedantic stuff of, well, Biden hasn't not done student loans. Uh, uh, he's still thinking about it. And we have a deadline. When they get to the pedantic stuff, oh boy, does the Biden White House have something to say. But when people are calling them a feckless, bloated corpse, my words, not theirs, but basically theirs, there's no pushback. There's no uh, 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 the, the a spokesman who's not aware of the Deborah Messing call. There's no uh, 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 Dana. Who's who's my girl, Dana? Who's Dana? Which one? Dana, Dana Remus has no recollection of informing people that there was definitely not going to be a ruling. No pushback on any of that, which, to be totally honest, kind of lends credibility to the fact that they might be incompetent. Oh, this article. This is an article. I missed who farted and where stories. This is the thing I said about when all this was happening with Trump. It wasn't that those articles aren't fun. Of course they're fun. It's just when you're having cake every day, all of a sudden cake becomes a little less special. But when these articles come out, oh, num, 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 num. So good. So good. Now let's look behind the curtain a little bit. Obviously, there are people, and and by reading between the, the lines on this article, I'm guessing that most of the people that leaked were congressional side Democrats, not people from inside the Biden White House. But Biden's losing support. He's losing support within his own party. And when stuff like this happens, it means that the congressional Democrats are not afraid of Biden because all power is future power. If you can't help me get my legislation passed and you can't help me bolster my reelection chances, and you can't come stump for me when I need to turn out my base because my base doesn't like you, then from the point of these congressional Democrats, what exactly is the point of you? What, what do you do exactly? Because that's what a president is supposed to do. So what I read here isn't necessarily any kind of dire uh, uh, condemnation of, of Biden's political future, but rather, you know, he's no longer anybody you have to fear. And if he's nobody you have to fear, well, the congressional Democrats that want to run to CNN are the least of your problems because there are bigger predators on the savannah that will go for somebody that is weakened like Biden. We've got an exclusive from Politico. Senator Raphael Warnock used his campaign lawyers to represent him in a personal lawsuit that involved his time as a church minister, reports Politico. While the lawsuit itself was initially dismissed and seen as frivolous, including, among other things, a complaint about Wardlock's church services and the loss of a man's personal belongings. 
in a storage locker. Warnock is said to have relied on campaign resources when the suit was refiled in early 2021, a move that Politico notes may run afoul of Federal Election Commission guidance. Warnock's campaign has argued that the use of campaign funds is allowed because the lawsuit, despite pertaining to a time when he was not in the U.S. Senate, was filed while he was in office and served to a Senate office. Similarly, the lawsuit named several other government officials who were represented by government lawyers. It's completely legal and appropriate to have used campaign funds on this legal matter, as many federal office holders have done before, said Mark Elias, an election law attorney representing the Warnock campaign. Quentin Folks, Warnock's campaign manager, said in the statement in response to Politico's report that it, quote, intentionally misrepresents reality by relying on Washington Republicans' attacks instead of the actual facts. The lawsuit, folks said, was never a personal lawsuit. It was a frivolous lawsuit filed against multiple public figures and handled according to the law. So, is this a thing? Right now, Warnock seems to be running ahead of Herschel Walker. Raphael Warnock is not somebody who has a squeaky clean image. He has got a domestic disturbance charge. He has got a very angry ex-wife. And now he has this FEC thing. At the very least, I get the sense that this is the D.C. Republican establishment trying to do their best to prop up Herschel Walker and put him back on the offense. After all. Walker didn't play defense. At best, what this does is serves to wash away a little bit of Herschel Walker's uh, issues with the FEC. There's a few like you didn't file things in the right form kind of charges against him. But ultimately, what this moment will tell us about the campaign is how much can the Walker campaign stick to the Warnock campaign when they've got the ammo? You know, the two things that I tend to to watch very closely with well-run campaigns when it comes to messaging is when you've got the opportunity to go on offense, do you maximize it? And when you are put on defense, how well do you rebound out of it? So far, I have not been in love with the Walker campaign in terms of how they have rebounded out of uh, uh, issues. Although, you want to know what? I did like how they handled the multiple kids thing. Uh, I thought that they they got that out as fast as possible. They didn't deny, 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 which meant that they were able to kind of just reset the the narrative faster than if they tried to hide it. But still, you would like to see the Walker campaign begin to craft a narrative that uh, Warnock isn't what he seems. That he's petty and vindictive and mean because the image that Warnock has made for himself is he's just this bipartisan Good guy, just a great guy who's who's working in Congress for you, the Georgian citizen. He's bipartisan and he's nice and he's great and he's bipartisan. And and boy, is he bipartisan. Have we mentioned that he's bipartisan? That's it's kind of the image that 
that that Warnock has really crafted for himself. So the more that you can make him a not nice capital D Democrat, the better you're going to be. And if you can say, and look, when given the opportunity to represent you, what did he do? He used your money for his own gain. So, yeah, we'll see. We will see. like to thank each and every one of you for supporting this program takepoliticsseriously.com like I said in our last episode I'm going to be on vacation for the next few weeks next week will be Andrew Heaton of the Political Orphanage is going to double dip do both shows Tom Merritt of Daily Tech News Show and who you're going to hear in a few minutes will take uh, the next week and then Bill Share of Washington Monthly will take the third week it is uh, It's going to be really, really fun to listen to this show as a fan. And it only happens because you guys support the program. TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you need to go. $3 gets your uh, two bonus episodes, which, by the way, will still be done while I'm on the road. Patrons will get a Monday episode. They will get a Thursday episode. It all, the, the show goes on, even with the guest host. Head on over there right now. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. And one last time, thank you for allowing me the chance to uh, go and, and disconnect and come back recharged, ready for the midterms. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. guest today is no stranger. In fact, he was on last week. Now, I know people might say that, uh, uh, Tom, you were just on the show, but you have to understand that Tom is not only, Tom Merritt, of course, is not only mm. uh, uh, an expert on tech, he is also, and quite possibly more importantly, the official PX3 British correspondent when it comes to <laughs> politics and, and things not, are not are moving a British fast. subject nor located in the United no. Kingdom yet. And yet, and here I yet, am. and yet, uh, uh, Anglophile to his core, uh, uh, <laughs> Tom Merritt, uh, here to discuss the fast moving situation. So we're recording this a little bit earlier in the week. Uh, there will likely be, as there are, as there is want to be in, in British politics, uh, developments past when we are recording this now. But Boris Johnson, who was a a colorful cartoon character in the uh, uh, conservative British movement, uh, sweeps to power to get Brexit done, gets Brexit done, uh, and then has been beset by various different controversies, most notably parties that were thrown during the British lockdown. He had one of his allies that were fa fairly, was fairly obviously flouting some of the, the lockdown restrictions, but now his career might for real, for real, for real be in uh, absolute calamitous ruin. And it's not because of anything that we have discussed before. Tom, what the hell is going on? And I'm spelling hell with an OU. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I, uh, 
I don't consider myself up to speed on all of Boris Johnson's uh, controversies. Uh, He has survived so many, but I think it is important to keep in mind that there is a mountain of them that he has survived. And that helps explain why maybe this one feels a little outsized uh, compared to what it is, because it's the straw that has been beating the camel's back for years now. Uh, this particular one seems to finally have the steam to maybe break through the the facade uh, that Johnson has kept up, where he's like, sure, you hate me, but how about I got Brexit done? How about I deal with Ukraine? How about you just ignore uh, my controversies and I'll apologize and we'll move on to that? Uh, in this case... Uh, there's a, an MP named Pincher. Uh, Mr. Pincher is the MP for Tamworth. He was suspended as a conservative party MP last week over allegations that he groped two men at a private members club in London. It's not lost on me that his name is Pincher. They have the best, they have the best sex candles. They have, they have just the British, uh, like they, they they just do it like none other, uh, uh, that the sex scandal is the man named Fincher. Okay. So he says he is seeking professional medical support, has no intention of resigning. Here's the problem. Uh, he was appointed as deputy whip by Boris Johnson, and it has come out that Johnson was aware of the complaints against him when he was appointed, not yes. he was appointed. And then this came out and Johnson didn't act, which would be one thing. This was people told him, Hey, you know, there's these complaints against Pincher and Johnson went ahead and appointed him to the role. Uh, so it, it's uh, basically a situation where Johnson has kept changing his story. First, it was somewhere around like, well, I was aware there were media reports and I had heard there were complaints to like, yes, I'm sorry, I made a bad decision. I knew there were complaints, and yet I appointed him anyway. Uh, yeah. Bad call on my part. So sorry, everybody. No harm, no foul. Error in judgment. Yeah. We all make them. Let's get back to that economy, which, honestly, the fact that he is pivoting to the economy when the economy is so bad, I think, tells you something about the situation he's in. So this is not what he a scandal for which he just fought off a call of no confidence, right? That was, that was the party. That was the party scandal. Yeah. That was the party scandal. Okay. So he has already faced a call of no confidence from the parliament itself, or was it his own party? From the, from the conservative party's 1922 committee and, and therefore the conservative party, the 1922 committee is, is sort of there to keep an eye on things, uh, for, for just this sort of situation, uh, among other things. And they, they got enough complaints that they, they put the, the vote of confidence at the party level and Johnson survived it. Now, under the 1922 committee rules, uh, you wouldn't be able to have another confidence vote in a sitting prime minister or leader of the party uh, for another year. But now you have major people in his cabinet resigning uh, and going to the 1922 committee and saying, we need to have an election for the executives of the 1922 committee. Cause what will happen then is we could put people in that'll change the rules that'll allow us to have another confidence vote and get Johnson out because Johnson is steadfastly up until now been refusing to even consider stepping down. Well, and, and, and that seems like in a parliamentary system, that's the move, right? Like you don't, you don't step down Unless you absolutely you have to. You certainly never say you're going to step down until you're about to step down, right? Yeah. yeah. 
But, well, especially but for him, no, he, he with can't. Theresa he is, May, he is, he is so well There- practiced at surviving these things. With Theresa May, it was like, I'm not going to step down. And then she stepped down. With Boris Johnson, it's, I am absolutely not even considering stepping down. In fact, I've never felt better. Like, and that's Boris Johnson's, you know, way of doing things is, is to, to like go 100% in the opposite direction uh, against something like this. But as we are talking, they are meeting with him at number 10 Downing Street. So, uh, I think what the party would like to do is convince Johnson to take one for the team and step down. That that feels like what they're what where the attitude is at. I don't think they wanted to have to change the rules. So let's circle back to something that you said because this seems to be the differentiator. It's not just bad press. It's not just the opposition saying mean things about him. It's not just the media going crazy. This time people close to him are resigning and calling for him to resign in the grand scale of British political things that uh, uh, are are happening. How grave of a consequence is this as opposed to the other things we just talked about? Yeah. Um, you know, right after I had texted you uh, a link to J-Hope's new video more, I had texted <laughs> you, he's done. Yeah. And a link to the story that Chancellor Rishi Sunak and Health Secretary Sajid Javid uh, had stepped down because those are two big names. Now, when they stepped down, when we talked, I thought it, he might hang on for a month or so, He, but eventually he's going to bow to the pressure because these are big names. And then right no, no, before- No, 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 why, before, before we go there, yeah, why yeah. are they big names? Are they big names because they're close to him? Are they big names because they're famous? Are, are, are they big names because they carry clout in the conservative party or specifically the wing that Johnson speaks to? Yes. Yes to all of those. All of those they things. Are, they are famous. They are close to Johnson. Uh, they are big names in the party. Uh, and they are the kind of people you don't want to lose. Now, Javid has stepped down before. Uh, so if it had just been him, maybe I would have thought, oh, Johnson might have enough to, to survive this. But it was both of them. Uh, and then Michael Gove apparently uh, has been telling Johnson to go. Uh, and Michael Gove you know, made his name... Uh, uh, in Brexit, a uh, former journalist Got like you. Boris Johnson uh, and, and ultra conservative. Uh, when Gove is joining that chorus, uh, I, it, it's just a matter of time, really. Because you would imagine that if there's anybody for whom he would have undying loyalty, it would be Brexit people, right? Like, like it, th- th- that would be something for which he was the guy that did it. You should protect the guy that did it. It might even, I, I don't know if I would talk about it so much as loyalty as uh, you've got the the middle ground of the party obviously saying, well, this is getting uncomfortable. We need you to go. And Johnson, you know, doubling down with the, the, the you know, the wing of his party uh, that is that is more conservative and more to the right. Uh, and when that wing is also like, yeah, maybe you should also go. Suddenly you're, you're getting the slings and arrows on all side, uh, combined with the fact there were a couple of by-elections recently in the North, uh, that the conservatives had done very well in the last election, surprisingly, uh, unseating some labor seats and they did not do well in these by-elections, uh, a sign that the electorate that had been rallying behind Johnson because of Brexit was cooling on him. So what are the time frames here? Let's imagine that that Boris Johnson has a no quit policy and there and there's nothing that can pry him from this seat. If everybody leaves, he'll run 10 Downing Street by himself. 
uh, uh, what is the next juncture that that would <laughs> that would force him either an election or changing the rules on that committee so they can hold a vote of no confidence within his own party? Yeah, it's it's somewhat uncharted territory uh, if they can't pressure him. That's generally the the English way has been. Well, let's not make a rule. Let's let's just all agree amongst ourselves that this is the best thing. Come on, yeah. Teresa. Come on, Boris. To you know, do uh, do don't let down the side. Uh, all of that. If that isn't the case, if Boris just digs in, then yeah, they were going. They would have to go to the 1922 committee and push for a rule change. I don't know the timeline on that. I, I so don't is, know how no long that would take. There is no set timeline. And then how about, how about an I, election? I don't know if there is a set timeline. I just don't know enough about how the, the rules work there. Gotcha. And then then what what would be the next? Because they can't, the opposition can't force an election, right? Like Boris would have to call for an election or is there a, a time when that runs out and he has to have one? Well, that's where it starts to get really interesting because technically the queen calls the elections. Oh! Uh, at the request of the prime minister, so de facto, it's the prime minister who makes the call by advising the queen, and the queen always follows uh, what the prime minister says. You could force a constitutional crisis in certain scenarios. I'm not saying it's likely where the queen would be pressured to exercise her authority in opposition of the prime minister's wishes, and it would take a lot for that to happen. Public opinion would have to be on her side. The the parties might both write letters like, we can't get rid of him by the normal rules, but you can. Please dismiss the prime minister and call an election. Uh, I, I only say that because I know how much you love the weird scenario. And I, I think that's ex- extremely unlikely, but it's a possibility. Besides right? the if this fact thing that went it would all be, the way to the end. It would be a lit series finale for the crown. Like right? that would be <laughs> just an amazing series finale for the crowd is, is, is her finally doing something totally off the reservation. And, and it would, it would ignite the, the Republic uh, conversations again and whether the monarchy needs to continue and, and was, you know, sh- should it have ever gotten to this point? Uh, there's, uh, there's all kinds of things that would tumble out of that kind of situation. And that's why I don't think it would happen because I don't think Boris wants to do that. Uh, I think he does respect the institutions if he doesn't respect any of the people. There is a ticking clock. Like you have to call an election at a certain point time-wise. Yeah, he's got until 2024 to call an election. Gotcha. Because he just had one. Yes. Uh, So, so he, there used to be no clock, uh, but, but several years ago, they, they put in a a term limit. You can call an election before that limit, but at that limit, then the election has to be called. uh, And he's got time to play out there. My guess is if he were forced up against the wall to save face, if he didn't step down, he'd probably call an election uh, and and try to to rally like, hey everybody, get to behind campaign me. His way, campaign yeah. his way out of it to to exactly. say that you all uh, feckless bureaucrats uh, don't have my back, but you know who does? The people of the yeah, United kick out Kingdom. the uh, yeah, and then you might risk a party split uh, and that sort of thing, which is more possible in the British system than it is in the U.S. system. Uh, so I I I think they'll probably talk him into going but what evidence do we have to to point to that that man i mean like because again look he's survived so much he has survived uh, uh you know the 
there were questions about whether or not there was domestic uh, 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 dispute situations between him and his uh, girlfriend. There was flouting the rules of the lockdown that were fairly draconian. To me, appointing a, a, a scummy politician to a, a, a role seems like a survivable thing compared to those scandals. But again, from what you're saying, it's like, well, it's not necessarily even this. It's if this is not what it is, then for the love of God, what's the next thing that comes down the pike? Yeah, there's a little bit of the sense of it just keeps happening, Boris. No, this one alone isn't the worst one, but we keep having to do this and we can't keep having to do this because we lost the by-elections. It's eroding the party. It was fine when people rallied behind you no matter what, uh, but it really is starting to have an effect on electoral success. Uh, and that that's going to be where, where suddenly everyone in the room is having an intervention at number 10. Uh, and saying you you you're hurting all of us if you stick around. I, I think that's the way they would have to have gotten through to him. <sighs> Do you see this ending clean? No. And I guess the question would be: Is it already by British standards not clean? Because you would imagine if you're going to get them out, you got to give them a soft landing spot. You got to have you got to have some sort of exit ramp to make it good for him to do it. Because otherwise. He's a man who's used to living in this kind of fight for your life back against the wall scenario, especially for a British politician. He's 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 got more of these than I can remember any other in my lifetime. Yeah, that that's that's where it really starts to get into areas of British politics that I, I'm not familiar enough uh, to speculate on. But but it's the kind of thing where long running ties and norms and traditions uh, really will come to bear and you know if if this were an episode uh of of uh, of a british drama yeah uh, i would expect it you know to, uh, drinks to be thrown against the wall and and someone to sniff and say well you know we tried to offer you an easy way out but you just won't take it and uh you know and and, and who knows where that ends up because because uh, honestly I think what they want to do, what they would like Boris Johnson to do is just ride off into the night and become a columnist and and say, like, you did a great job. Well, I'll back that you did a great job if you just if you just give us what we want. Uh, And he would have to make peace with that. And that's losing. And he doesn't like to lose. Uh, Yeah. Feels like to me that that conversation had was had about a week ago and. He said, thank you, but no thank you. And what we are seeing right now, from I'm very far away. I do not know the ins and outs of this, but I know the cadence of a drip, drip, drip when I see one. I don't think that it's a coincidence that these resignations are coming in successive days. I think it is a very specific pressure campaign to get him out. And if he didn't want to get out of the easy way, what we are looking at right now is the hard way. Yeah, the, the, this is certainly hard. The no confidence vote was him saying, 
I know there's a bunch of you who don't like me, but I'm banking on enough of you backing me. Yeah. Uh, now it does feel like an intervention where he's looking out the, around the room like, come on, guys, it's me. And they're all like, Boris, you've got a problem and you need help. And we're 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 here to help you out the door. Please, <laughs> yeah, please, please exit through the gift I, shop on your you know, way the, out. The problem, the problem is, though, there is not a clear successor. When Theresa May had this conversation, Boris was the clear was successor. The yeah. Yeah. There, there are lots of likely successors, but there's not that person that they can point to and say, you know what? Old, old uh, Patty here will take it over. Oh, Patty would be an Irishman. But you know, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and I guess that's another thing on Boris's side is that I'm sure he's going to play like, wait, all right. So whatever you think of me, mm-hmm. I'm not a power vacuum. You know, a power vacuum is is a whole nother thing. And now everybody's going to be because right now, at least you can all agree on 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 me getting the et to brute treatment. Uh, uh, just wait until every power hungry person in the conservative party is uh, uh, stabbing each other for the chance to be prime minister. Yeah. Well, and, and that is a good argument because the argument they'll probably are making to Boris is you need to go for the good of the party. Uh, this is just eroding our ability to get reelected, but he can say, and if I leave and you're all backstabbing each other, that doesn't improve our ability to get reelected. Let me survive this and lead the company into, you know, reforms and better economy. And I can beat Keir Starmer. Yeah. Because that's the other thing is that it seems like he beat the party stuff because of the Ukraine situation. And he, he, he came full throated to, to the defense of Ukraine uh, and and was like Joe Biden, very bullish on the fact that Russia was going to invade Ukraine. Uh, and that seemed to wipe that uh, uh, party scandal out of the headlines. Who knows what's here for him now? You know, Ukraine isn't going well. It seems like there is fatigue on the part of these sort of uh, uh, patron nations for what's happening over there. And inflation in the economy is bad everywhere around the world, including the UK. Yeah, uh, it, it is, he's out, he's out of ammo when he turns to the economy. That, 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 that's where I went on that. He was like, Brexit, I'm the Brexit guy, survive a, uh, survive a controversy. Uh, Ukraine war. I, I'm the, I'm the guy we, we, it's a wartime footing. I'm the new Churchill. You can't get rid of me now. Uh, survives another controversy. Now there's Ukraine fatigue. Like you say, it's the economy. The economy is in such bad shape. You can't leave me now. And then it, it starts to feel like, yeah, but Boris, you're the one who led us into this economy. So <laughs> I'm not sure that, that that's the greatest argument you could make. It does also feel like the there is probably globally just a fatigue with anybody that was in leadership during COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, so that is a uh, uh, that's that's going to be interesting. All right. Tom, thank you so much for taking time out of your day for this fast-moving story. If anything has happened uh, in in terms of late-breaking news, we will make sure that we tag that to the front of this podcast. However, at least now you know uh, why this came and why it escalated so quickly. Our British correspondent, Tom Merritt, live and direct from Los Angeles. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, and and dear Boris, please hang on until July 18th when I am on PX3 for a week so I can cover it myself. <laughs> the one thing I texted back to you was like, as soon as everything was falling apart and I'm like, this, and I want to use the the, the expletive terms that I called <laughs> Boris Johnson, this expletive uh, is going to make me work during my vacation because I'm going to London in two days and I know the second I touch down, he's going to resign. And I'm like, ah, fine, whatever, I'm I'll right record here. stuff. Yeah, ah. yeah. 
All right. Anyway, uh, thank you so much, Tom. You bet. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. Our show was edited today by Brett Stewart. If you'd like to email the show, it is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Our Twitter is px3tweets. Our Twitch is px3live. You can find this podcast wherever you have an internet connection and share it with your friends, family, and clergy at px3podcast.com. Merch can be found at politicsmerch.com. Of course, you can hit us up with a one-time donation, paypal.me slash payjury. Venmo is justin-young-20, and our cash app is px3cash. Send anything you'd like physically in the mail to P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Of course, you can always get our bonus content at takepoliticsseriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss in our free podcast schedule. And the $10 tier gets your name read at the end of the podcast like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. MC Radio, Unsafe DB Level, Katie, Amanda, Ye Old Pinball Shop, DP4 Bongo, Kneemeister, Catherine, Vigard, persons familiar with the matter, and vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, Dr. G, Neil of Neils, Charles, Darren, Idris Arslandian, Bluefront and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic, Terran, Diana, Shrill Shrieks, Miranda, Janelle, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, is awesome. Brad, Richard, D. Laser, just another pilot, middle aged Mike, who loves Frank, got abducted, Utah, Jimmy, Montana, The Gen, A, L, D, L, D, L. D, really? Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua. You want your name read by Andrew Heaton, by Tom Merritt, by Bill Share? We'll get your name on there ASAP so you can be added. All right. I will see y'all in August. Have a great weekend. Till next time, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss Dog and Pony Show Audio.